0: You're listening to KZOL, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and that guy over there, that's Farmer Dave. Farmer Dave, how are you doing?
1: I, he's gonna say it, he's, he's gonna, gonna, gonna say, say it, I did say he's gonna say it, Um oh. come on, say, it, say it, say it, wow,
0: Ooh. yeah, catchphrase, <laughs> How's it going, Dave? I am well. Good, good. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well myself. Nothing really, uh, personally, nothing, nothing personally to complain about. I mean, it's, it's been a crazy last couple of days, uh, for everyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah, no, um, and in Oleander, things are, Relatively calm, changing, yeah. uh, Yeah, I
1: was thinking weather, but yeah, for Oleander and the people seem rather calm, but the weather's changing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apparently it's going to snow... uh, over at the mayor's office, we have, like, three snowplows. We've got a snowplow from Chicago, one from Spokane, Washington, and one from Portland. Portland only has two snowplows, and so we have one of them for some reason. And it's just... Do they know we have one of their There's official uh, paperwork in... Yeah, no, there's official paperwork in everything. It's... Oh, wow. uh Yeah, so... And it looks like the goats that are all over town are, like, just cleaning up all of the stray grass and whatnot and Uh, uh, brambles. I noticed
1: all the blackberries were just, you know, they look like blackberry skeletons.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, I still have to go and trim that up over by the uh, mayor's office. And, yeah, yeah, no, the cemetery looks great. And there's... Well,
1: well, down by, you know, I don't know if you've been down by uh, Six Witches Road.
0: No, no, I have not.
1: but, uh, yeah, there was this big old uh, bramble of blackberries, <laughs> and I guess these mysterious goats got to it because there's, like, a, a r- rusted-out Buick now, <laughs> you know, the, the branches <laughs> are still going through, so, you know, nobody knew, it. it probably been there since, you know, the 90s, yeah. but,
0: yeah. Huh, that's crazy, that's crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, the, so,
1: just, uh, you know, so, you know, every area, you know, Mississippi, Idaho, there's always that joke. You, know, you don't like the weather here? Well, you know, wait six minutes; it'll change. Uh-huh. I, I mean, everybody tells that joke except for you, know, Southern California, uh-huh, and that yeah. joke is you don't like the weather here. Eh, wait six months; it'll yeah. change. But, but Oleander itself—just—I so don't know if it's the rivers or the hills or what—it's built around or oh, under all these sort of microsystems.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So
1: you know, it could literally. Raining where you live, knowing where I live, yeah, and, and cold and sunny, you know, over at A One Grocery and Taxidermy.
0: It's so weird.
1: yeah, we we all have these little different microcosms
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: or micro, not cosm, but micro. Well, that's probably true too, but sure, uh, microcells.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 weird here, but yeah, no. Uh, if 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 you don't like the weather. Uh, Drive half a mile.
1: Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and this is the only place that I've ever been. You know, you're listening to the radio, and they say, "Yes, uh, there's a uh, you know cl- uh, chance of rain and clowns." Yeah, yeah. Apparently, evil clowns are a meteorological event in
0: Northern Clackamas County. Oddly enough, oddly enough, also in Sussex County, in Massachusetts.
1: I'm not surprised. Yeah. Same, same, same sort of weather patterns. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but,
0: but, uh,
1: I don't know about where, where uh, up by glorious resurrection cemetery where you live, but, uh, we've had a lot of fog
0: mm-hmm. at
1: night. you just, the fog comes in. Uh, you know, you know what causes it is fog, right?
0: I think it's, uh, some sort of something to do with temperature and pressure change. Ghost pirates. Oh, okay.
1: So, no, no, so apparently, like in the 1890s, mm-hmm. there was some pirates that they got drunk. And so they, they take their big boat up, um, up, uh, um, the Columbia. Okay. And then they get to the, the Willamette. And then they get into a medium boat. And they take the Willamette or to the, uh, the Clackamas. And then they get in the dinghy and they go in the Clackamas. And then, uh, they get to, uh, Crap Creek. Uh, and they're either, uh, killed by a mob, Sasquatches, or Crappy, the creature of Crap Creek. Hmm. So, you know, you can see them. So I, not, I, I mean, I don't see them. I'm not crazy. Sure. I don't see them. I've never saw them. Please don't say I saw them. Okay. Don't tell anyone I saw them. But, you know, mm-hmm. so the, 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 uh, the, creek that goes right down my head, you know, so you see them like, they all, um, be rowing in their dinghy, and it'll like be like you know uh, World War Two you know smoke sacks, and just big old fog coming out from the back of them. Uh, but see, um, they're cursed because they're terrible sea shanty singers. Uh oh. Not that I've heard it. Don't tell people I've heard the, the cursed sea shanties, but yeah, they sing off key. So, so yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why. Um, that's why uh, Oleander has so much fog.
0: Huh? Interesting. We don't get much fog out by the cemetery, which is weird. You'd expect the cemetery to be kind of foggy. And actually, yeah, it... I, I I bust out the fog machine, and uh, for the goths, the goths love it, and they're like, "Can you get something besides pineapple scented?" And but you know, the ravers love it. The goths, they're they're, they're like, "Just just get classic scented smoke." But yeah, no. You know, you know what? Uh, you know what?
1: Pirates' uh, fog smells like.
0: What's that? Old boots. Old boots.
1: I haven't smelled it. Okay, I'm not saying that I smelled it. All right. It doesn't smell very good.
0: Okay. So, besides, uh, besides what's going on in town. Oh, speaking of what's going on in town. That pothole over on Third Street, over in front of Oblivion's, they fixed it. The, the one, the the one they call the craters of the moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, oh, I don't, wow. I don't know why I said pothole when I should have said potholes and possibly sinkhole that uh, they just keep throwing gravel into. Well, but it's fixed. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh. That's
1: surprisingly efficient for the city council of Oleander.
0: I know. i I don't know what's going on. I don't even know if the city council's in uh, is meeting currently. I mean, with everything uh, that's going on, but uh, is it a full moon? Uh, I don't think so. Yeah,
1: pro- I... Probably, probably for a while. They probably won't meet for a while.
0: Yeah, something's weird. Something weird is going on, and uh, but. What's going on this week with uh, Radio Free Oleander, Dave?
1: Well, so we are going to talk to a horror writer. And he's got some books coming out. Mark Mark is a a really interesting writer, and he does something very well that I can't do. Ooh, what's that? He writes, among other things, short fiction. Ah, So he has several published works that are under, like, Two hundred and fifty words,
0: uh-huh.
1: and they're amazing stories. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, that's just to me. It's much more difficult to write a two hundred and fifty word story than a two thousand and five hundred word story.
0: Hmm. Cool. That's 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 interesting. And uh, we've got that coming up. And then uh, after that, we're going to do some D and D on D and D, and we're going to be talking about La Luna. The moon. And the moon in some other language that I'll edit in later. Or not. All right. Here we go.
1: El unme.
2: (laughs) Thanks, Dave.
1: I think that's Pig Latin for the moon. Sure. Well, Spanish and then Pig Latin.
0: (laughs) I I think the... Hey,
1: do you you smell that?
0: Are are you having a stroke?
1: No, it smells like old boot
0: ghost pirates possibly all right uh we'll see you after the break
1: welcome back to kzom you're listening to the farmer dave show and we have got a really special guest um i'm gonna let him introduce himself uh Mark, what do you? Uh, you're, you've got a, a writing project. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your uh, new release.
2: Okay, thank you, Dave, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, my name is Mark Allen Gunnels. I've uh, I've been publishing in the small press uh, horror world for a little over ten years now, um, and uh, yeah, I have a, a new book out uh, February thirteenth. Um, called two B, the number two and the letter B. Um, it's actually a haunted apartment story that um, uh, an idea I've had for about twenty years that I finally got around to writing.
1: Excellent. I bet everybody asks you, but is, is there some sort of Shakespearean tie to this, or is it just a coincidence?
2: Um, well, I wanted to name it the apartments number and. Because to be has that Shakespearean tie, it just sounded like a good idea to me.
1: And it's also about existence. So if it's a haunted story that that makes sense too from that angle.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Now um, and where will we be able to find this book? Uh, will it be on Amazon or
2: it will. It'll be on Amazon uh, paperback and uh, ebook copy. Um, and it's from Valhalla Press, which is a pretty new publisher. Um, this will be their actual first um, standalone novel. They've, they've done some anthologies before this.
1: So, so you're their flagship author.
2: I, I am. Um, I, Congratulations. I, I, thank you. I got in on one of their um, anthologies, and then Adam, who runs the press, um, asked me if I would be interested in doing a novel for them, and... I felt like I was finally ready to write this one after two decades, so um, it all seemed to work out pretty well.
1: Excellent, and you said that'll be out in February.
2: Yeah, February thirteenth, day before Valentine's
1: Day. Day before Valentine's Day, so so if you're looking for something for your significant other, and he and or she likes some um, scary stories, it looks like this is an excellent choice.
2: I I would agree. <laughs>
1: excellent. Now, um. I have to admit, I've I read a little bit of your work, and not a lot, but the one that I remember uh, the most was uh, in a, an anthology, uh, Guilty Pleasures and Other Dark Delights, where it was a, a, a 200-word story. You know, I've written a few short or flash fiction, and to me, it, it's almost harder to write a, a short, short story, like under 500 words. It's almost harder than a, something like four or 5,000 words. Uh, what type of experience do you have writing
2: short stories or short short stories? Well, I love short fiction. It's actually a passion of mine. Um, I love writing novels. I love writing novellas. But if I had to say what my greatest love was, it is short short fiction. Um, but yeah, I do agree. The because you know a lot of flash fiction is considered like a thousand words or less. So when you get an opportunity to write something like for guilty pleasures where it's 200 words or less. That's a unique challenge. Um, But I also find it kind of a thrilling challenge to to get like a full narrative in such a short amount of words. Um, So it, it was definitely, you know, it was fun, but it was also, like I said, very challenging, which in some ways made it even more fun for me. And I I just decided to sort of write it and then see how long it was when I was done and then do whatever cutting I needed to do to get it back under the 200.
1: I I find that yeah, my original, I used to always overshoot. And the more I do it, I'm finding that I'm actually undershooting. Uh, Do you think that there's a difference if you write less or more? Does it all sort of depend on the story itself?
2: Well, generally I find that a story is going to be as long as that story tells you it needs to be. I'm a very big believer in the story tells me what it needs. I don't tell the story what it needs. So when I'm doing something where it is that tight, I, um, I do try to make sure I have an idea that I, that feels to me like it can be something that brief. Um, but very rarely do I do I get it in under the first time. Like, but you know, if it's something I feel is going to be that short, it's not like I end up with a two thousand word story. Then I, you know, but you know, maybe like two hundred and fifty words, and then I have to like find fifty words that I can I can cut down.
1: Find find, find contractions. I always end up <laughs> using contractions on things like that.
2: Yeah. And I do find that, you know, sometimes I'm surprised by how much I can take out of a story without actually taking away from the essence of the story, if that makes sense.
1: No, no, exactly. And and, and stories like yours, and I think that are ones that are done really good, they almost remind me of poems. And I'm not sure if it's the the or, you know, that they're so short or or if it's, you know, just maybe the art behind it. But a good flash fiction story reminds me of a good story poem.
2: Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I like to find um, there's some places like Crystal Lake Publishing does one. And I think Cemetery Gates is going to start doing one next year where they do monthly flash flash fiction challenges where they'll give you a theme. Um, but sometimes when I do those, I just end up writing like a little poem because I think it's kind of interesting to do like a narrative poem. And because it is so short, it does sort of, in a way, lend itself to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, We've done a, a couple shows uh, with uh, Dr. Uh, Samantha Underhill and with um, uh, uh, Derek M. Cook where we're talking about uh, popular poetry, you know, and, and again, like, we're going off the side, but this is one of my things that, that I love is, is, you know, up until the thirties and forties up until you know, world war II and car radios, poetry was the poetry was the, uh, the, you know, the art of the masses.
2: Yeah. And I, I can't say that I, I read a lot of poetry, but I have noticed more and more, even horror publishers are starting to put out like poetry collections, so maybe it's making somewhat of a comeback. And I really restro- respond strongly to narrative poetry, poetry that tells a story, because, you know, I, I just love story. And I don't really care what form it takes as long as I'm getting that, that need for story filled. And, um, and yeah, and, and I do find that a nice narrative poem is just as satisfying as a short story or a novel as long as it's done in a way that feels complete.
1: Exactly. I completely agree with you there. So I uh, kind of shifting gears a little bit, but, but what are some of your influences? What what are things that influence your writing?
2: Well, I, this always sounds, a well, maybe it doesn't sound strange, but one of my earliest influences was from television and it was the twilight zone. Um, when I was very little, I watched a lot of the original Rod Serling Twilight Zone and the 80s incarnation of the Twilight Zone. And that sort of surreal, off-kilter atmosphere where it's our world, but things are just slightly off-kilter, that really appealed to me. And I, like whenever I release a short story collection, I can always point to st- certain stories that I say, like, these are some of my... Twilight Zoniest <laughs> stories, um, so that was a, a good, very
1: excellent uh, influence excellent influence and and Serling uh, was such a master of dialogue.
2: he really was, and I do like I like as a consumer of story and as a creator of story, dialogue is one of my my favorite things but um but yeah that that show to this day, I can see its influence on me. Um, and then when I was in high school, I discovered and began devouring Stephen King, not the most you know, original answer, but I mean, it really did what he brought to me was an authenticity and a groundedness where it's like the horror could be happening in my neighborhood. These are people I know. These are locations that feel familiar so that when you bring in the horror elements to that, it's it's even easier to suspend my disbelief and get invested in the story because it's also grounded in the reality that I know that was a big influence on me. Um, Clive Barker was a huge influence on me just because his fiction is bold and, and uncompromising and sometimes subversive. And he also was a big influence on me because in the nineties when he came out publicly for me as a gay man who wanted to be a horror writer to see that made me feel like there really could be a place for me at the table.
1: Excellent. And and I think, you know, as we say, you know, so important is diversity, but I think it is important that everybody see people like themselves being able to succeed.
2: I, I definitely agree, because when I was coming up, you you know, you didn't see that back then, like, sure. so I, I did actually have their thoughts, like, is there going to be a place for me? And, you know, I was, for a while there, I never wrote stories with gay characters in them, because I, I never saw any horror stories that had gay characters in them, unless it was like a joke or something, and, but, you know, but I feel like we've made a lot of progress, and now when you do see LGBT people more women, more people of color, it does give hope for the other writers who are in minority groups to say, hey, there is a place for me there. I don't have to, you know, I don't have to try to write like everyone else. I can use my own experiences and my own perspective because the more I think the more diverse horror is, the richer it is and the more different perspectives you have you can even take old ideas and old tropes and make them new and fresh again through the lens of characters that you once wouldn't have seen in those stories
1: absolutely because we all we're all we all get afraid always are yeah. afraid of something and you know that's sort of this this Jungian constant that every human being has is fear and No, especially, especially I agree in horror and which, which I think we we can all be, I mean, with a few exceptions up until like the eighties and nineties, you know, it it was the, the, you know, the the square jawed Anglo-Saxon and maybe his female sidekick. And now we're seeing real people.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the last novel I had out, um, It's a book called 324 Abercorn, and I did an interview with someone who, you know, was very, you know, not in any sort of a negative way, but was very sort of fixated on the fact that one of the main characters was a drag performer. And he Mm -hmm. he just kept saying, like, I've never read a horror novel that had a had a drag queen in it. (laughs) And I'm like, well, drag queens deserve to be in horror stories, too.
1: No, absolutely. And, and you know, I think of here nearby Portland, or possibly New Orleans, of places, you know, or even like the place in California where I've seen, you know, drag queens, and, and they're prime real estate for a scary story. Yeah.
2: So you know, I'm just, I do think inclusion and representation only serves to enrich the horror genre, and you know, make it even better. And, you know, I I always encourage people to read widely, read diversely, seek out writers whose experience are different than yours, because you might get a new take on something that you might think is familiar, but it's going to surprise you just because you're getting a different um, a different perspective on it.
1: Excellent. Excellent. You know, and I think we can all sort of maybe agree. I mean, with some some exceptions, 2020 has not been the year that we would all hoped. You know, um, what maybe are are there any um, pop culture or horror or or anything you're really looking forward to in in 2021?
2: Well, I guess the one thing is because even though I I love horror movies, horror literature has always been sort of my mainstay so even though 2020 has been almost a unbelievably bizarre and weird and stressful year um it didn't stop the horror fiction from coming out um so this year i read a lot of great horror novels you know um and collections and everything um next year i am i'm looking forward to um I know Stephen King has a new book coming out called Later that looks really good to me. Mm. Um, also, um, um, Josh Mallerman um, actually has it's a book that came out a few years ago with a small press that was very limited run that I was never able to get my hands on called Goblin that's coming out and I'm really looking forward to that. Um,
1: oh, at a wider release.
2: Yeah, it's going to be with his just mainstream publisher, um, so it's going to be you know just available to everyone now, and I am looking forward to that. Um, Excellent. And I don't, I don't know. She hasn't said, but I know that. Um, and I've, I'm, I'm, never sure how to pronounce her first name, but there's a writer name, um, Tanana, Tanana Reeve Dew. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her.
1: No, I don't
2: um, think I am. Um, she's written some great stuff. She's also – she was one of the producers of a documentary they did called um, Black Noir about um, – Oh,
1: okay.
2: Yeah. And she's she's written some great stuff. And it's been a while, though, since she had a new novel out. And I know she said she finished one. So my fingers are crossed that maybe it'll come out next year because I'd really like to read something new by her. Um, film-wise, I'm not – I well, I take it back. I am looking forward to finally seeing um, the new – candy man that they made that got postponed yes yes um, because it really seems to be harkening back to that original film which was so good and really paying you know homage to that whole vision and I, I am looking forward to that um, I can't remember when it's supposed to come out next year but I know they they were moving it to sometime next year
1: yeah, I know they've been, they've been jostling a lot of dates. Yes. Uh, around for different movies but but yeah no I, and I think the, the original I, and I'm not a, a huge slasher fan but the original Candyman on is such a statement such a you know and the statements that it makes are almost understated that that makes them more powerful if I'm making any sense yeah. it's just a wonderful movie and and, and the, the Candyman background is just, a, I think, a very powerful character.
2: Yeah, it really is. And it's for its time period, too, it was so unlike what a lot of horror was at that time. It And it seemed a lot more thoughtful and... and, I, and I don't want to... If nuanced, I say deep, almost. Yeah, nuanced. And... And I really appreciate that. And the sequels did not live up to yeah. that, but yeah. I have I have hope that this new one, because it looks like they're really trying to harken back to that original film, and so that's why I'm I'm pretty hopeful about that one.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree. To to be honest, the thing I miss the most, I I mean, when it comes, I'm just looking forward to being in where we can all be in a movie theater together. I miss that, that interconnection with other people to laugh and to gasp at the same time. And I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping, you know, the, the vaccines, everything get better so we can just, I can watch movies with strangers.
2: It, I mean, it has been weird because, you know, yeah, I, I probably haven't seen a movie in the theater since February. Um, My husband and I also love just live theater and we haven't seen it since. I mean, so it's just been, I mean, I love my books. I'm surrounded by books. We have a sign on our house that says the book nook because our, our house is basically held up by books. But, um, but yeah, it's some of those things getting out into the community. Um, And, you know, I used to love to do events at bookstores. I used to do literary scavenger hunts um, Mm -hmm. where people would just, you know, get a clue that would take them to a certain book. That book had their next clue in it. And, you know, I haven't been able to do anything like that this year. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, we have a little bit longer to go, but I'm hoping, you know, by maybe the fall, things will start getting some semblance of normal again.
1: Hopefully so. Fing- fingers and tentacles crossed. Yeah. <laughs> so we're running a little bit out of time and just really enjoyed talking to you. But, you know, if you had a, your I dream project, someone said, hey, we're going to give you a project and money is not an issue. Time research is not an issue. If, anything you want. What would be your dream project?
2: Yeah, this is going to sound a little... Saccharine, maybe, but I feel like I'm living my dream project in that I just, I write what I'm passionate about. And because I work in the small press, it's not like I have a lot of deadlines or anything. I write what I want. I take the time I want. Then I find a publisher for it. But um, I I do, sometimes I wish, I love those big epic novels that are like a thousand pages long. Mm -hmm. And I tend to write novels that are on the shorter side because, like I said, short, short fiction is my, my biggest passion. But sometimes I think, like, I want to take the time and get a good idea to just tunnel into one of those, like, just big, epic, multi-character novels. So I guess if there was a dream project, it would be to find something that I could maintain for that period of time. So yeah, uh, one day maybe I'll, I'll write one of those big epic doorstop novels. Oh, excellent.
1: So real quickly again, the name of your new book is going to be Two B, the mm-hmm. number two and the letter B. Yeah. And we can get it on as early as February 13th through Amazon, yep. correct?
2: Yep. February 13th on Amazon should be available paperback and ebook. And, uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to finally getting this one out there.
1: Excellent. Anything else you'd like to promote at this time?
2: Um, I, I don't know if you know Gambino and Glacius, um, who's big in the horror world, but he just, uh, edited an anthology called hell, dark holidays. Um, which is sort of like Hallmark movies, but with monsters in them. And, um, I have a story called Old oh little town in that one. And, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. And, um, so can we
1: get that on amazon too or where will
2: yeah it's on amazon and it's it's an ebook and the paperback just came out i think on christmas day so um it's available yes
1: excellent well again mark thank you so much for uh appearing on our show and we definitely want to hopefully have you uh have you again and so uh january is our uh new year new project uh program so we're gonna have a few other people who have new things coming out but uh we're so grateful to to uh hear from you and we are now going to return to the farm report
0: Welcome back It's uh, D&D on D&D With Dave and D.B uh, I didn't mean that to rhyme this time But it did So that's that's great So so Dave, we're talking about the moon or Yes we are Or moons, moons plural Moons plural, possibly uh, So something I came up with Not something I came up with Something I suggested Was we talk about uh, moons And like what can you do with the moon in a fantasy game like Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or some other F20 game out there?
1: Well, I- and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. and I may be wrong, yeah. but isn't there a, a druid path of the moon now?
0: I don't know, but that's that's pretty but, cool.
1: You know, but you could easily... If there's not, you could easily um, adapt uh, one of the druid paths, you know, and they could have, like, sort of a giant gate to the moon. And they could, you know, teleport onto the body of, you know, one of their living goddesses.
0: Ooh, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. I'm, I'm, and, I'm, and- I'm, I'm thinking about, like, artifacts that, like, uh, maybe make it so that you can breathe or don't have to breathe. Uh, if it's, like, a, uh, moon-like hours. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or maybe it has an atmosphere.
0: Maybe it has an atmosphere in, like, moon beasts, like, uh, the dream quest of Unknown Kadaf.
1: Yeah, or, um, yeah, there was also the, the creatures of the moonlands in, uh, some of the other, uh... Uh, after Lovecraft called Cthulhu.
0: Oh, uh, mo- uh I'm, I'm trying to remember if that, <laughs> Moon Lens, if that's, uh... Yeah, uh, um... Oh. Yeah. People at home are like, you dummies, you know that it's, uh, not Chambers, um... <laughs> uh, tip of my tongue.
1: It, it is, it's, it's <laughs> the guy from England.
0: Oh, uh, Algernon Blackwood? No, 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 no. <laughs> Ramsey Campbell. Ramsey Campbell. Hey Dave, Ramsey did you know Ramsey Campbell? You could do all kinds of things like uh I am now thinking about Ramsey Campbell like uh like Sean and the uh, uh the uh insects from Shagai kind of stuff and like the uh, I'm not even gonna try and pronounce it the um semi intelligent uh tree people that they they use as like uh uh, slave labor, uh, but but without the Sean, just like a a, a planet full of uh, I don't know sentient trees that worship uh, you know the 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 sphere that moves around them. That is your world. <laughs> what happens yeah. then? Uh, you know uh, another thing that pops into my mind when I think about moons and fantasy is the green moon of Endor, the home of the Ewoks. <laughs> That's true. So, so what I was
1: thinking though, uh-huh. and, and we'll go back to you, is uh, H. G. Wells, yeah, the first man in the moon. Ooh. So you know, the inside is like all these caves and tunnels. Uh-huh. But moon drow instead of you know dark ebony, they're, they're like white alabaster skin, mm-hmm. and maybe they're the good guys. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta save them from like the the evil surface elves.
0: Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, a hollow moon. That'd be neat. Yeah, now, now I'm thinking of, like, how would one get to the moon besides, like, a gate? Which is, like, the easiest way to have, like, a natural gate that you just gotta, like, whisper. Take me to the moon, magic gate! And boom, step through the portal. Or, like, uh, some wizard cast a spell. Mm. Moonus gous, and boom, they're at the moon. I don't know the Latin... Fake Harry Potter magic words for
1: Luna's, (laughs) Lunas, yeah, or well, you know, what if what if you know they don't know that they're going to the moon, and and so they find you know they fight these monsters. The great treasure will be there. There's a stump, and there's just as many rings um, as there are adventurers. You know, there's just there's a dwarf size, there's an elf size, and everything just perfect for the party. Uh And, And so it doesn't activate. You know, and it it doesn't activate if it's indoors, and it doesn't activate unless until the last one puts it on. When they all put on the rings, then they like glow and then they just start rising and rising. And then, like, you know, 12 hours later, they land on the
0: moon. (laughs) Uh, An idea that just popped into my head when you were talking about that. Is what if they were in uh, the party was in an airship that got blown way off course and they just think that they're in like a, like I don't know a desert 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 island or something like that or maybe it's a moon that has water and stuff and they're like whoa we're on a crazy island somewhere and uh, then then they realize hey. Everything looks different, <laughs> and maybe it takes them a while to realize that they're on the moon,
1: or, or you know, they wake up and they're on the moon. Yeah, yeah, and no explanation until they have to find the way to get at,
0: back. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Or maybe they find a book that has just like some sort of spell that they don't know what it is and. It's, it's kind of a low-level spell that, you know, it's like, well, I mean. Maybe, or,
1: or, <laughs> maybe, maybe you have like a, 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 a uh, see, maybe there's a, you work out with one of the players, maybe you got like a, a chaos officer or whatever they call a wild magic, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they blow their spell. They blow their spell, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, oh!
0: on the moon, or a portal goes awry, or a magic zone, and just a you know someone casts fireball at the party, but it doesn't kill them. Maybe they think they're dead, but they're on the moon,
1: or or, or they they're, they're traveling at night and they come up, stumble across the the fae of the moon, <laughs> and she she just grabs them up in her giant cloak and takes them to her home.
0: Whoa. Yeah. That way you
1: can do that way you can do not only the moon but it's the Feywild wild moon
0: nice, nice, or what if my personal favorite easy go to bad guy a necromancer or Lich who has used the moon to raise their dead army? oh, of, that's cool of uh, hapless travelers who go through his portal and die on the moon at the hands of his undead. Ooh. Uh, sorry. Or, or, uh, what if, <laughs>
1: no, that's cool. What if you did like War of the Worlds, but instead of Mars, they come from the moon? Ooh. And then after you defeat all the moon beings, the 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 gnomes think that they built it, reverse engineered the rockets enough to safely get you there. They think. <laughs>
0: I never trust gnome rockets. <laughs> the only way to fly. Yikes. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, we should we should do uh, uh, an episode on gnome inventions. If anyone has any cool gnome inventions I- ideas out there, uh, send them our way, and we'll we'll throw them into our gnome invention uh, episode. Let's say in March. Let's let's do a gnome invention episode in March.
1: Oh, yes, we will share all the inventions that are gnome.
0: <laughs> In the gnome universe?
1: Yes, yes. I, 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 so way back, then, it was a, it was like a fighter. I had, I had a, a gnome and his, his name was Gnome de Plume. Nobody knew what his real name was. He just went and Gnome de Plume.
0: Uh oh. I'm trying to think of the last time I played a gnome, and I've always avoided playing gnomes because their movement was so (laughs) not what I wanted. People are like, that's not role-playing, and I'm like, well, I I want to role-play someone who moves at six or seven, (laughs) not three or four.
1: (laughs) He he just... This guy had no filter. He would just say anything. He wasn't evil, but he was chaotic neutral because he had no filter, and he was Uh just like... "Ah!" You, what, what class? Oh, you got bit by a weird tiger. <laughs> um, you, you are. Yeah, guess what? You're gonna be turned into a tiger. No, um, see, it was a fighter. Ah, gotcha. It was. It was a. It was way back first. First one uh, A. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've played a gnome since then. Yeah. But you know what would be really cool? What's that? Gnomes on the moon.
0: Ooh, moon gnomes.
1: The, like like the players, like, all of a sudden just, this rope drops down and they don't realize it's like this dimensional rope, and it, like, disappears <laughs> into the clouds, and so they, they climb up the rope, and when they're at the clouds, oops, they're out the moon. <laughs>
0: or I could imagine, like, uh, dwarves being like, look at that thing, it's all rock, we could go there and live like kings. <laughs> Yeah,
1: you know, I knew a guy, I think he I did it for GURPS, but uh-huh. he, his 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 gnome, his, his dwarf mountain was so tall, it actually exited the planet's atmosphere.
0: Oh, I've done that definitely for fantasy games. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you
1: know, you, so you get up there on the, 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 the moon gnomes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide, okay, it's time to go back. Well, did he build us a spaceship? No, it's a giant space catapult. Catapult. <laughs> And they, like, shoot you out, and then, like, you're falling into the earth, and then, um, mm-hmm. like, a dragon comes and grabs you.
0: Gotcha. So you gotcha. land safely. Or you could communicate with some giant eagles who just happen to be able to fly through space, but, you know.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds like ex-du-sabonskia.
0: <laughs> you can say that again.
1: <laughs> or... So I'm 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 gonna throw one more out. Sure. You know, you could also do the Lovecraft where they make that like like that space draft and so it like gives a protection over you mm-hmm. and then like uh you know, a baki or you know, some sort of uh, star spawn and the Cthulhu just grabs you by your shoulders and flies off into space. Oh
0: yeah. Oh one more thing I thought about cats. Cats. You use cats You use cats to get to the moon A bunch of cats take you to the moon Like in the Dream Quest of Unknown Kadath That would work <laughs> Alright That was a good bookend for uh, <laughs> The moon <laughs> Alright Thank you everyone for listening to D&D on D&D With Dave and D.B. If,
1: and just real quickly,
0: yeah,
1: Ramsey Campbell. Yeah, I'm sorry, I forgot
0: your name. <laughs> Call
1: me. I want to talk about some book
0: ideas. Call me. All right, and uh, let's see what else. I, I, I think that's the end of the episode. Everyone, thank you so much. I think we.
1: I think we are fading away. Oh yeah,
0: yeah like those ghost pirates and their sea shanties. Well, I don't know if they're fading away. I can't see from uh, the cemetery over here. I was going to tell everybody.
1: We're like we're like Schrodinger's host. We don't exist <laughs> unless you listen. Turn it on. If you push like and subscribe, we will exist longer. Oh yeah. Please. Please listen to us so that we can exist. Hit like. We want to
0: live and if you without want, overdoing it uh, you know I I've never done it so I don't know but if you want to follow us we are on the Facebook under radio free oleander you can find us on, you know, look for uh, Black Clock Audio Tales, uh, look for People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, PGTTCM.com. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, PGTTCM.com. That's where uh, you can find this and other fine podcasts that I produce. And Dave, are you still doing Dave's Corner of the Universe? No, but I should. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'll, <laughs> that's
1: my blog. I just I haven't put, I haven't done anything like in two months, but I should. Oh yeah, no But problem. there's still tons of facts. If you needed to know weird stuff, or you needed a a class for sure. a Call of Cthulhu Seventh Edition, uh-huh. the, the archives are
0: full of stuff there. Yeah, no, no, no. I definitely uh, have enjoyed going through Dave's Corner of the Universe for sure. And you know what? I should put a link for that in the show notes.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, oh, I should
0: write something. <laughs> and uh, again, I'd write
1: a lot more if you call me Ramsey Campbell.
0: <laughs> and guilt, remember, guilt, guilt. rate, review, subscribe. iTunes helps us out. Uh, help us get past our three point five uh, vandalism rating. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And we'll talk to you in the near future, everyone. Remember, sometime in March we'll be doing mission Inventions, and we'll see you then. Thank you so much for listening to Radio Free Oleander. It's been me, DB, and this guy over here, Farmer Dave. Anything to say before we go?
1: Bye!